Gitam explanation. Karunam the cause. Shankaya from fear. Ujitaha free. Then, Sarve, all. Yavartanta, returned. Sri Divaya, to the heavenly planets. Diva Okashoha, the demigods who inhabit the higher planets. Translation Sri Maitreya said, the demigods, the inhabitants of the higher planets, were freed from all fear upon hearing the cause of the darkness explained by Brahma, who was born from Vishnu. Thus, they all returned to their respective planets. Please repeat. Sri Maitreya said, The demigods, the inhabitants of the higher planets, were freed from all fear. Upon hearing the cause of the darkness, explained by Brahma, who was born from Vishnu, thus they all returned to their respective planets. Purport by His Divine Grace, The demigods who are denizens of higher planets are also very much afraid of incidents, such as the universes becoming dark. And so they consulted Brahma. This indicates that the quality of fear exists for every living entity in the material world. The four principal activities of material existence are eating, sleeping, fearing, and mating. The fear element exists also in the demigods. On every planet, even in the higher planetary systems, including the moon and the sun, as well as on this earth, the same principles of animal life exist. Otherwise, why are the demigods also afraid of the darkness? The difference between the demigods and ordinary human beings is that the demigods approach authority, whereas the inhabitants of this earth defy authority. If people would only approach the authority, then every adverse condition in this universe could be rectified. Hmm, looking for solutions? Here is given. Arjuna was also disturbed on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, but he approached the authority, Krishna, and his problem was solved. The conclusive, conclusive instruction of this incident is that we may be disturbed by some material condition. But if we approach the authority who can actually explain the matter, then our problem is solved. The demigods approach Brahma for the meaning of the disturbance, and after hearing from him, they were satisfied and returned home peacefully. Maitreya Ubhacha, Nisham Yatma Bhuvagitam, Karanam Yogitaha. Sri Maitreya said, The demigods, the inhabitants of the higher planets, were freed from all fear upon hearing the cause of the darkness explained by Brahma, 
who was born from Vishnu. Thus they all return to their respective planets. Mukum karoti pachalam pangam lagayati giri chadkripadamaham bande sri gurum dinatarinum Hare Krishna. So there are many, many um, subtle points here and realizations that one could draw out um, from this very interesting purport uh, by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. So after reading this verse, the word for word and the verse and the purport, first thing that one can definitively conclude is that the demigods are denizens of the higher planets. That's where they live. Uh, made quite clear here. So, um, <clears throat> therefore, we can understand that there are other planets with different standards of happiness. We are just accustomed to this planet, uh, the earthly planet, and so we have a certain standard of life and we're accustomed to a certain standard of uh, physics or cosmic arrangement. And we take that to be the all in all because that's all we see in our existence. But just like uh, the frog in the well, there are many things beyond our understanding. Uh, unless we hear from authority then we can understand things beyond our experience. But just based on our own experience, we have a very limited view. So the classic example of the frog, he's in his well, and he's thinking he's a very important frog. I am a very big frog, and this is a very big well. So then he's told by his fellow frogly traveler that actually there is this body of water that is so big it is called the ocean so he says i've never heard of this ocean what is this ocean he said it is very big it is much bigger than your well it is bigger than my well ha i've never seen such a thing how much bigger than my well two times bigger than my well and he puffs himself up like frogs are want to do Said, no, 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 much bigger than that. Three times bigger than my will. <laughs> now he's becoming very puffed up. Oh no, much, much bigger than that. Ten times bigger than my will. <laughs> and he puffs him up so big <clears throat> that he bursts. <clears throat> that is the story of the frog. So Dr. Frog, Prabhupada refers to the... Uh, scientists as Dr. Frog. He's a frog, but he has a PhD, so he becomes Dr. Frog. They want to understand the cosmos by <coughs> dint of their speculation and the power of their sense perception. But actually the whole thing is much, much bigger and more fantastic and beyond even the capacity of their understanding, of which they are very proud. Oh yes, we can measure the universe because we have our different instruments, 
which are extensions of the senses, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, feeling of touch, all these things. We have these senses of which this body is composed. And then we make these instruments that are extensions of our senses. So we think that we may be somewhat limited in what we can perceive, but we have our instruments by which we can perceive much, much more. We can perceive the universe. We have now gotten one photograph of a black hole, which you have speculated on the existence for many, many years and in many episodes of Star Trek and uh, science fiction novels. And we've been waiting for this, and now we finally got, it's just recently, they got a picture in the last couple of weeks. We finally got a picture of a black hole. But the real black hole is actually the residence of their intellectual uh, endeavors to bring everything within their control and their purview. Therefore, God is called Adhoksaja. He's beyond the range of sense perception of conditioned material senses. So you cannot work your way up to seeing God through your senses and using extensions of your senses like microscopes and uh, devices that measure cosmic radiation and um, devices that analyze the spectrum, the visual spectrum and beyond the visual spectrum. There's so much in the electromagnetic spectrum that we cannot see. We have a very narrow range of visual perception. We also have a very narrow range of oral perception, basically 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz and beyond that, you don't hear anything. But then you have the dog whistle, which goes, and you can't hear it, but the dog can hear it because his ears are have a greater range. So the range of our sense perception is actually quite limited. Therefore, Prabhupada makes this uh, statement that what you can see with your rascal eyes, meaning that you only have a limited amount, a limited range of perception. And even then you may see something, uh, but you may mistake what you see to be something else or not perceive it properly. And therefore, if you can't see properly, then you just speculate as to what you saw. So therefore, in the, in the uh, arena of jurisprudence, eyewitness testimony is often considered to be unreliable because the person, they may see something, but they may not see it that well. Maybe they didn't have their glasses on and they couldn't see it at all. Um, I believe that, that was, I seem to recall one movie of when I was a child, there was a movie where a man had claimed to see another man commit some crime at night, but then the lawyer was so clever and it was something before electricity. So it turns out that the night in question was the night of a dark moon and you couldn't see anything. So the man, in other words, the man's testimony was unreliable not only based on his sense perception, but he wanted to make, he wanted to uh, <clears throat> present the other person as guilty. Therefore, he fabricated his testimony, uh, and he couldn't see anyway. So this is all the realm of sense perception, and what passes for knowledge 
in our modern enlightened, so-called enlightened technological world is actually simply based on imperfect sense perception. And in order to cover for the lack of perfect perception, then speculation is introduced into the equation. So therefore, this is not really knowledge. In the mode of passion, there is a glimpse of the truth. Yes, the truth exists. We want to understand the truth. But there's a difference between saying that the truth exists and we want to understand and saying, now we have understood. Now, according to our scientific instruments and our calculations, we have understood everything. And what we were saying yesterday is no longer valid. Uh, like the famous thing during the, uh, during the uh, Watergate uh, scandal of President Nixon. He said one thing and then he wanted to change that. And he said, that statement is no longer operative. <laughs> so instead of admitting that the knowledge is imperfect and that we don't understand, but now we understand what we didn't understand yesterday. Today we understand. Yesterday we didn't understand. Today we understand. Tomorrow, well, actually tomorrow, everything that we think today, we might find out that tomorrow that what we thought yesterday was also wrong. So then what kind of knowledge is that? That is not knowledge. Um, that is uh, relative knowledge based on sense perception. Therefore, it is imperfect. The perfect knowledge, if you want to get perfect knowledge, you have to go to the proper authority. You have to go to that reservoir of perfect knowledge. And then therefore, the Supreme Lord Krishna, out of his causeless mercy on the conditioned souls, he gives the Vedic literatures, which contain enlightened and perfect knowledge and understanding that we can take shelter of, and therefore we can receive this perfect knowledge to the best of whatever our particular individual ability may be. And then we can make advancement in understanding things from the spiritual point of view. So what is the qualification of a learned person? One may ask. Um, according to the estimation of society at large, a learned person will have one or two, maybe even three PhDs, and they have read so many books, and they have speculated in so many ways, and they are considered very learned. But according to the standard of the Vedic paradigm, which is that uh, system of thought and understanding that's given by the Supreme Lord, Dharmam tu shakshat bhagavat pranitam, it comes from God. Um, and the great uh, philosopher and moralist Chanakya Pandit said that the qualification of a learned person is that he sees the suffering of others as if it were his own suffering. So that's not an academic qualification by any stretch. But that is a, a, a qualification of evolution of consciousness. And he does not desire to use or enjoy or um, possess things that belong to others. In other words, he sees everything 
as not belonging to himself. So those things which belong to others. Of course, everything belongs to Krishna, but Krishna gives certain things to certain people. He gives Bill Gates billions of dollars. And, you know, he may give me a few paisa. So everyone has their different quota, some more than others. So a person who has very little, he should not look at the things that are possessed by others and think, oh, he, he possesses so very much. I want to possess that. I want to be like that. No, but a learned person, he has no attachment for the possessions of others. He respects them. That is your that possession has been given by Krishna to that person, but it is not mine. It is not for my utilization. <clears throat> and that's the second qualification. Third qualification, he sees uh, all women as his mother, except his own wife. In other words, he does not desire to possess and enjoy other women. Boy, that's a, that's a real radical concept in context of our society, contemporary society, very much is. And that is also the uh, biblical injunction, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Um, so these qualifications are actually qualifications of character, morality, and consciousness. And a person who possesses these qualifications is truly a learned person. Not based on academia or book knowledge. One can read so many books and speculate in so many different ways. One of our friends, whose name I won't mention, who visits here, I overheard him saying to someone that, oh, what was it? It was really, it was really weird that the Pope was an incarnation of Beelzebub or something. And he said, but I said, what are you preaching to the guests in the restaurant? He said, but it's true. I read it in a book. It's like, you know, this is the most neophyte platform you can imagine. I said, you did not read that in Prabhupada's books, did you? No. And you won't find that in Prabhupada's books. You can search through all the books and you will not find such uh, craziness in there. But to speculate and make up things and then go around and present it to others as if it were knowledge, uh, that is foolishness. So in spiritual circles, if you want to make a point, um, then you have to be able to back up that point with Shastra, with scripture. And Srila Prabhupada's books are the law books for human society for 10,000 years. So if you really want to uh, present something, then it has to be based on the authoritative scriptures and not simply on some speculation. Of course, there are many co-relative co items of knowledge and understanding that may aid and assist us in Krishna consciousness. Uh, and we can carefully discriminate based on our understanding of Krishna consciousness from the Shastra. 
but not to just spout some speculation or some foolishness or some nonsense. And that is the beauty. There are many beautiful things about the Krishna consciousness movement. That is one beautiful thing about the Krishna consciousness movement is that the devotees are, or should be, if they're not trained in understanding everything from the perspective of Krishna consciousness according to the Vedic view given by the realized great devotees, the great souls. And in the Krishna consciousness movement, um, it is the obligation of all the devotees to understand this philosophy very nicely by reading Prabhupada's books and discussing them, and then being able to also present that to others. And also, uh, devotees should never be fooled by some nonsense speculation or foolish sentimentality. Someone may be attached to that, and we may not perhaps burst their bubble out of compassion and politeness, but we should never be fooled. What was that song by the Who? We don't get fooled again. So uh, we've been fooled for billions of births by so much nonsense, rascal speculation, which is always motivated by sense gratification. And actually, I had this experience early on as a young devotee preaching in Boston, which is a bastion of academic learning and puffed up pride. And I was meeting some very advanced people, both in the airport where we used to sell books and also in Harvard Square. Um, and it was like every single time I met people who were advanced academically. It was quite clear from talking with them that they were very degraded morally. They were all attached to meat eating, intoxication, uh, the various uh, affairs of their personal lives were horrendous. And all you had to do was talk to them, and these things would come up, come out in the conversation. And, and at first, it was a startling uh, re revelation that these are the forward-thinking people, but actually they appeared to be very provincially minded, prejudiced, racist, and um, very free in their sex lives. Uh, so uh, it was like getting a startling insight into the nature of Maya, Maya showing, because you get to interact with the people, you get to see where they're at. So Maya was showing. Sometimes they come to the temple. We would always have, not all of them, but many of them. The more advanced they were in terms of their knowledge, the more degraded they appeared to be. Uh, morally speaking, it was a good lesson. It was a good lesson to see the truth of what Chanakya Pandit is saying about the qualifications of a person to be actually learned. What are the real qualifications? Their spiritual qualifications. It's not simply having a brilliant academic mind and having read, read many, many books 
to be able to back up that. So uh, Prabhupada says very, very nicely in this verse, the difference between the demigods is when they have a problem, they approach the authority, Brahma, to get some solution. And Prabhupada gives the example that Arjuna had a big problem about killing his relatives uh, in the battle of Kurukshetra, so he approached the authority Krishna to get the solution. And Krishna's solution for Arjuna was to surrender to him, and that applies not only to Arjuna, but it applies to everyone. And those who are very, very expert at Sanskrit grammar um, can interpret the name Arjuna to mean Sarva Jana. Jana means people. Sarva means all. So Arjuna, all the people. So Krishna is not only instructing Arjuna, but while he's instructing Arjuna, he's laying out the process, the spiritual process, the solution for everyone. Just surrender yourself utterly to Krishna's will, become an instrument in the hands of Krishna. And that will be the solution to all of your personal problems and to all of the problems of everyone, everywhere, at all times and at all places. <clears throat> so we may be disturbed, Prabhupada says, by some material condition. So who has ever experienced being disturbed by some material condition? <laughs> Not you. <laughs> How about you, Ranjana? Have you ever been disturbed by some material condition in life? So all of us, we've experienced, uh, and the longer we live, the more we've experienced disturbance of the material conditions. Because um, that is the nature of the material energy is, is designed to kick us, to prod us, to inconvenience us uh, to the point of frustration and finally seeking some solution to these problems. And no one is exempt from this condition of being uh, kicked about by Maya. No one is exempt. There's not a single person who's exempt. Everyone is subject to that. But the difference between a self-realized person, a Krishna conscious person, and anyone else is that a Krishna conscious person actually, uh, when they become advanced, they are no longer disturbed by these conditions because their consciousness is not uh, embroiled in the material platform and the goings-on of the material energy. A Krishna conscious person is actually transcendental to material conditions because they are fixed in what is beyond the material conditions. They are fixed up in spiritual consciousness. Ihayasya harer dasya Karmana manasagira, nikilashvapyavastasu, jivan muktasa ujjate. So, what is an actual liberated person? Jivan mucha, jivan mukta, so ujjate. It is said that a liberated person, iha yasya harerdashe, even while in this material world, that person who engages in the service of Krishna, iha yasya harerdashe, dashe, servant of Hari, Hari Das. Um, 
Because their all their facilities, their karmana, karmana their work, manasa, uh, the mind, gira, the power of speech, all of that is utilized fully in the service of Krishna. All the senses are uh, surrendered to and utilized perfectly in the service of the master of the senses. Rishikesha, Rishikena, Sevanim Bhakti Rishite. That is called Bhakti. So even though living in this material world, which we all are, this is where we are, this is where it's at, uh, this is what's happening to us now, but by being Krishna conscious, then one is jivan mukta saunchate. One is called liberated because one is fully engaged in Krishna's service. And therefore, one becomes uh, inured to the sufferings that are ever-present within the grip of maya and we are all captured within the grip of that maya that inferior energy of god so krishna says in bhagavad gita that maya is my energy it's empowered by me it's divine daivi it's coming from god mama maya durayaya so you can't cross beyond it there's no way but if you surrender to me, then it is very easily negotiated. So in the Bhagavatam, it also explains the same thing. That for one who has taken shelter, samasrita, ashrita means shelter. Shrimashrita ye padapalavam One who's taken shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord, which are like a boat, then this whole Mahatpadam, this whole great ocean of material existence, uh, becomes shraka to a very small size. Vatsapadam, uh, the Mahatpadam, this ocean of material existence becomes shrunk up to Vatsapadam. Vatsa means calf. Other means foot. So the footprint that a calf makes in the mud is about this big. So you can easily cross that. Easily. That for the devotees who have taken shelter, uh, all the struggles and anxieties of this material existence are not meant for them. Now, it's not meant for the devotees. It is meant for the non-devotees, for rectification. And then one, when one becomes a devotee and takes shelter of the boat of the lotus feet of Marari, then uh, all that is easily bypassed. Like in the old Monopoly game, you, get, you land on a thing, you draw a card, and it says, you know, Go directly to go and collect $200. Then there's the other card. You go directly to jail. Do not collect $200. So which would you rather do? Directly bypass all the difficulties of material existence or go to jail? The material world is compared to a prison house. And we're all the prisoners here. 
So of course, we'd rather have that get out of jail free card, which is uh, the chanting of Hare Krishna. You chant Hare Krishna sincerely and nicely, taking shelter, then you get to get out of my and go back home, back to Godhead. Uh, but it requires, it's not like a cheap thing, but it requires some dedication, some seriousness. Let us take the chanting of Japa, the 16 rounds a day that we are all chanting, or all should be if we're not. Um, that has to be done, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm laying back on my bed, I got my laptop there, looking at this, looking at that, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Ooh, what is that? Let me click on this. Ooh, interesting, Krishna, Krishna. Oh, what? Oh my God, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. So, that, that is not good japa. That is bogus japa. And you know, they, in the old days, they used to have the humorous um, explanation of the different types of japa. Like someone is uh, <clears throat> kind of got their eyes closed and they're going back. It's called a radar job, you know, like the radar thing. <laughs> then there's, of course, the, uh, these are somewhat military influence, the dive bomber job. Fall asleep like a dive bomber. So that is not good japa. That is inattentive japa. That's called pramad. It is an offense, pramad, to be inattentive. Hare Krishna, welcome. Thank you for coming. There's prasadam in the little basket there on the altar you can take. Boy, look at that nice boy with his beautiful hat. It looks like a million dollars. You can put your offering in the basket there to the right. <clears throat> so, um, spiritual life is a science. Krishna consciousness is a science. So in the same way, chanting japa is a science. One should be very alert. One should be very awake. And it is actually a very high standard but it is the standard we should aspire for that every devotee, when they chant their 16 rounds, ideally should chant all 16 rounds in a row. Focused. It is a yogic meditation from beginning to end. That is not always possible, but if possible to arrange one's schedule in that way, one should do that. So these things are going on. Now we are instructed, Prabhupada mentions in this purport about approaching authority for the solution to the problems. So what authority do we approach for the solution to all, all of our problems? That is explained in the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam, Tasmat Gurum Prapadjita Jigashu Uttamam Shabje Parita Nishnatam Brahmanu Pashmayashraya 
that in order to solve the problems of life, tasmad guru prapadjeta, therefore one should surrender to the proper authority who is the guru, the spiritual master. Jigashu shreya utamam, shabde pareta nishnatam. And the spiritual master has to be qualified in terms of shabde pareta nishnatam. He has to be expert in the shastra. And Brahman Upashmayashrayam, Shabde Palita Nishnatam. Nishnatam means expert and knowledgeable. Shabde, Shabda means the revealed scriptures. Brahma Shabda. And he has to be fixed up in his personal behavior. So we were discussing this a little earlier. There is Prachar and Achar. Prachar means preaching, Achar means behavior. So in Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's a discussion there about Haridas Thakur. And it said, sometimes there are people who are very big preachers, but they're not very paka in their behavior. And sometimes there are persons who are very paka first class in their achar, but are not very good preachers. But Haridas Thakur, who we we're hearing about, it was, by the way, extremely wonderful hearing. The Leela of Haridas Thakur from Chaitanya Bhagavad the other day. Um, Haridas Thakur was glorified because not only he is preaching the holy name, but he is very first class in his uh, behavior as a Vaishnava. So he has the Prachar and he has the Achar. He is first class. So it is also understood that if one wants to engage in the Prachar preaching, then first one should be qualified in achar, behavior. And sometimes in India, Srila Prabhupada's godbrothers and others would complain about their Western devotees. Although they were preaching, they were not very expert in their behavior. And Prabhupada said, yes, that is true. We have started from nothing and we have we are, have engaged our disciples in preaching the, the mission of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the achar is coming later. But the achar is coming now some, you know, 42 years after the disappearance of Srila Prabhupada. Um, the devotees have advanced in their achar over what it was in the 70s. And the prachar is still going on. Both things have. So I had some other ideas, some thoughts, something to present in relation to this verse, but I see the time has slipped away. So we'll conclude here and ask the devotees to please contribute their discussion, realizations, and questions. Um, it's really clear from the verse and Prophet's report and from your talk that um, we can only really know anything by hearing from authority. And yet, authority is so bad in Kali Yuga that we have, we're really, uh, what is that cool line you quote? The, the line from the book, encounter. We don't get fooled again. Yeah, so that's people's attitude. So it's a real problem trying to uh, Persuade people that that's really the way to know anything is from authority. Because authority is mostly bogus. It's a miracle that I even became a devotee because 
I had firmly established in my mind that um, religion appeared to be unbonafide because the so-called followers were unbonafide. They're all cheaters and rascals. So how to overcome that? Uh, By association of devotees. Changed me and reading Prabhupada's books. That was a miracle. I mean, I had two brothers who were in the Cub Scouts and my father was in the military and I resolved at an early age that I would not join any organization. <laughs> and then one devotee told me, well, you did the right thing. Welcome to ISKCON because we're not very organized. <laughs> you know that there's one apocryphal story that the, uh, the FBI or some such organization, they sent someone to infiltrate the Hare Krishna movement to uh, see because there was some idea that perhaps this is a dangerous, subversive organization. They pose some danger to society. And the report back by the infiltrating agent was, there's nothing to worry about. They can't even answer the phone properly. <laughs> so, um, sometimes that's still going on. But, um, we never answer the phone. <laughs> You know, uh, our, our step-grandson, Ram, had a message on his phone that uh, you couldn't leave a message. It was, can't talk to you now. See you later. It's Ram. See you later. There's no, like, leave a message after the beep or anything. It's just a message from him. That he's, that's it. You got nowhere. So, yeah obviously destined for a career in management. <clears throat> so it sounds like you're saying that, uh, that hearing from Prabhupada and devotees who are absorbed in Prabhupada is the baby we must not throw out of the backwater. Right, exactly. And of course, you know, during the 60s and the 70s, it was reject authority, trust no one over 30. Well, Prabhupada came, he was 70. <clears throat> And the, uh, the initial group of devotees who were rejecting authority, trusting no one over 30, they came to trust in Srila Prabhupada. Because he is Vaishnava Acharya. He's not an ordinary person. So I had met so many. I had searched through religion a little bit and met so many fools and rascals and became convinced that you could not find the truth. And then... I came in contact with Krishna Consciousness and Srila Prabhupada's books. And here's the truth just staring me in the face. How can you reject? I had to accept. I was defeated. My whole foolishness was defeated by superior authority. So that is the principle. Anyone else like to contribute? Something? <coughs> yes. Go ahead, Anand. Oh, you're talking about academic knowledge and criticism and I just remind me of a situation that was going on here. A gentleman showed up at Sunday feast and um, he was his appearance wasn't just completely all right, but he was so enthusiastic he was just looking at the buddies and smiling at a huge smile on his face. He was coming for a while and uh, 
after a year or two, he was getting more and more sick and degraded with it. You know, the lifetimes he was bringing guitar. And, um, you know, nobody really knew what to do with it. There was one person with his family who was trying to help him. Yeah, these but, guitar um, players are hopeless. <laughs> but he was so enthusiastic and happy in the beginning. And I talked to him about he was a PhD in philosophy who had some different ideas about philosophy and he was sort of rejected by the community of PhDs and wasn't able to work in the field because of his ideas. And so he was sort of lost, you know. But anyway, he was talking about his daughter and how how terrible his daughter's situation was. She just, you know, was getting more and more sick and uh, and having anything done, you know, proper understanding of anything he didn't want to do. So we're standing by the book table out there and I said, well, these, why don't you get one of these books to show the prophet and show it to your daughter? And he just waved it off. After coming here for a year or two and coming back here, Thanksgiving, he wasn't interested in it. You know, yeah, he didn't make enough investment. He's a PhD. Oh, because of pride. There was someone over here? Yes. Uh, I read in Rubenswami's diary that in the former Soviet Union that uh, a KGB came to investigate and he ended up becoming a devotee. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he blooped from the KGB. Yeah. Also, a funny chocolate story. So, Chuck Maiswami has a legitimate illness where, like, I forget what it's called, but where you fall asleep and you can't help it, like, all the time. It's called narcolepsy. Yes. And Malik, so he just, you know, uh, he'd come to Columbus a lot. He'd take me for job all the time to go to Chicago before he initiated. I got a lot of association. Malik during job away, he would fall asleep. She'd squirt him with the squirt gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, there used to be many temples that have the spray bottle, and there was another. There's another technique too. So if you change up and you're falling asleep, and then something hits you, you look down. There's a flower in your lap. <laughs> Someone gave you prasadam. Well, when you got that flower in your lap, it wasn't because oh I should smell the flower. It's because you know, wake up, the flower. Because there'd be you know several flowers. Somebody in the fire. So of course, sometimes somebody will aggressive and hit me in the face with the flower. <laughs> okay, so will uh, anyone else quickly we'll stop here? Thank you all very much. Shri Prabhupada. Ki. Um,